Welcome to the show. On today's podcast, we have Anna Vocektik. She is a psychologist, a certified wellness coach, and founder of Balance by Anna. In this episode, we dive deep into the importance of finding the root cause and psychological reasons that trigger emotional and binge eating. She offers actionable steps to fix your diet so you're less stressed out and more productive. This is a great episode for everyone. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Kakatibi Podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. Hi, Anna. How are you today? Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm great. How are you? Great. So thank you so much for being with us. Before we get into diet and stress, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you became a wellness coach and a psychologist? So I would say that for me, the two are very much linked in the way that how I approach, let's say, wellness in that sense that I think eating is a very psychological and emotional moment. It's just not just a physical way of you know putting food in your mouth and because I struggled quite a bit with my own eating I was very it was a very slim kid then I became quite chubby then I started gaining more and more weight from the age of 14 15 went on my first diets and then started this whole I would say roller coaster of dieting and restricting binging restricting binging and very and creating a very unhealthy relationship with food and I didn't have the right support because I was just thrown into doctors offices or, or nutritionists who again were putting me on a diet in order to lose weight but not really understanding deeper reasons why I am eating or not eating and and all this kind of stuff so psychology was something that I was always interested in and I wanted to kind of get deep into the mindset part, let's say. And then in parallel, I just went in school for nutrition. And when I started my business, then I was thinking like, this is the perfect opportunity to combine two. So not just focus on the food, but also focus on the mindset and the emotional part of eating when it comes to having a you know well-balanced lifestyle. So um, my audience, they're mainly women with hormonal imbalances and... Yeah autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. So with women, especially they have to keep their blood sugar stable for hormones. So what are some ways that they can avoid sugar spiking temptations? I think, I think first of all, like you need to know a little bit your, you have to experiment. So whatever I say here today is broad lines for everyone listening, but there are definitely some things that you need to know. First of all, you need to know your numbers. Like you need to know your range because sometimes your your symptoms can mean something very different than you think you're hypoglycemic, meaning you have a low blood sugar, right? Because the symptoms are very similar for some completely different autoimmune diseases, for example. So know your fasting blood sugar, know your blood sugar. Uh, is it in a range of normal? Is your blood sugar normal two hours and four hours after eating? So that's the first thing I would say. Second thing is understand how your body operates when you eat different foods. So if you want to keep your blood sugar stable so that you don't have these moments of what we call a sugar crash, and then you need more food, and then you're a little bit too high, and then you have a sugar crash again, if you don't want to be on that roller coaster, there are simple ways just with food, how you can 
maintain that. First of all, it starts with eating protein at every meal because it's the most satisfying macronutrient, eating healthy fats for your hormones. And when we talk about carbs, choosing, it's not about the right carbs. It's just choosing the right amount of carbs based on your level of activity throughout the day. I'm always for vegetables. I'm always for all types of greens, complex carbohydrates, and some fruits. Why I say some fruits is because some people, even though fruits are amazing, they are a little bit sensitive due to the content sugar, although natural, they're just a little bit more sensitive to it. But you should not try to trick your body with a small plate of bread and something like that, which could potentially spike your blood sugar way more because you're saving on calories. Because the problem with that is that your blood sugar will spike and your body naturally doesn't want it to be that high. So it will start putting it down and down. And then at one point you're like, oh, this is the 4 p.m. sugar slump. It's not. It's just that you ate too many carbs and now your body's bringing you back to the baseline. But the problem is that then you start feeling like you had a crash. Therefore, you start taking the chocolate, energy drinks, like sugary, high fat foods to give you the energy again. And then you will continue like that probably until the end of the day. So don't run away from healthy fats. Don't run away from protein. doesn't matter if we're talking about animal, plant. Eat your fiber, uh, your veggies, and you will be fine. And stay away from simple sugars and simple carbs, which tend to spike your blood sugar. I think that this is where there is some misconceptions, like, for example, with breakfast, where people will eat bagels or cereal, like, loaded with sugar. And they don't understand it. Like your maple syrup with your milk and your cereal has caused already like a sugar bomb. We're not talking here about just about calories. We're talking about an intense amount of sugar now running through your body and your body's okay, what do I do with it? You're not running a marathon. So what should I do with it? And it's, it starts to produce a lot of insulin. Um, yeah. So it, it should be a little bit more balanced. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people that they'll have maybe like some sort of sugar with their breakfast, like jam or something they mm -hmm. put on toast or whatever. And then by like noon or something like that, again. they're cranky right. and they mm -hmm. crash and yeah. they're just like, I have low blood sugar. I need to, I just need to constantly be eating throughout the day and grazing. And I'm just like, no, no. you ate the There is nothing wrong with it. But the, I always say to people, if there's nothing wrong, it's just like, you cannot then blame the food. Like, or, or, or saying that you have something that you don't, like a hormonal imbalance or low blood sugar, like every other person is saying that they have that, but actually the solution is very often in your plate. It's just that there are quite a bit of misunderstandings. There is a cultural differences. There are habits from childhood that we just eat like that. So it's just a little bit more paying attention to is the meal balanced enough? to keep your blood sugar stable. And, and if you are not hungry for three and a half to four hours, it means that it's good. <laughs> it means that it's, it's a normal meal because your body will send you a signal. Okay. We're dropping, dropping, and then now eat again after a certain time. Yes. I did an experiment once with my husband. We ate certain foods because he's, you can't eat this meal. It's bad for you. I'm like, I feel good. And he's, no, I think it's bad for you. So we checked our blood sugar mm -hmm. before and then like maybe 20 minutes before and two hours after. Okay. And we both had the same meal. It was like rice and whatever, a meat. Mm -hmm. And then um, for him, his blood sugar went up after yeah. and then he crashed. For me, it didn't. I would then be if we did. 
I would be your husband yes. <laughs> in this scenario. Yes. And then the opposite happened when we switched the rice for potatoes. Okay. So for yeah. me, they shot up for potatoes and for him, it was fine. That's, that's why I said, know your numbers. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with eating the potatoes or eating the rice or eating the pasta. Just know yourself well enough to add some protein to it, to try to balance it out the meal. For me, if I eat rice, I can eat until I, I, it's never ending story. So my blood sugar is so high, I can just eat it and eat it because I'm so high. And it's just, I didn't know. And, and so I think like with different types of foods that are seemingly healthy, your body may not be reacting like how you think it. Do you have any tips for people who are trying to get better with their health? Any strategies on dealing when others try to sabotage healthy habits? The food pushers. Or the, yeah, I think that's that's something that, that I, I work quite a bit with my clients on this because the moment that someone notices that you're figuring out your health issues or you're trying to live a better life and they always start asking questions, which usually come because they don't have everything under control, right? So they try to keep you in the same misery with them, like with eating junk food or overeating or something. So I would say that there are some sentences that I think that work really well so that you don't offend anyone, but you can kind of set a boundary. Um, you know, you can say, I, I've had enough, but this looks really delicious. I've been trying to eat better. Or you can say, I'm trying to heal my relationship with food. Um, you can say, if you have been to the doctor, my doctor is recommending me to eat in a certain way for a while, just to check my you know, vital signs. And it's just something that I would personally say when I was dealing with my issues, I was very honest about it, you know, and I was like, listen, I have struggled with food for such a long time. I'm trying to figure out what works best for me. So I'm trying to listen to my own body. I was very open because as a chronic dieter, you're always listening to what other people are telling you to eat. And when I was experimenting with what it is that I want to eat, I was very honest about it that, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what works best for me. I think also like um, that, you just have to be in those types of situations. It's just about being mindful not to hurt other people's feelings. Like, but look what you're eating, like not turning the conversation towards them, but just saying like, this works for me. I've had enough. Maybe I'll read some later. I'm trying to be more mindful what I eat. Just be kind of honest about it, I would say. So when it comes to like sit crashing after a meal, mm -hmm. can you go over exactly what it feels like? Because some people, they done it so long that they don't even know what it feels like because this is just normal for them? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the, the symptoms can be, uh, of course, like very individual. But in general, when we talk about the usual symptoms, um, shakiness, dizziness, nausea, headaches. If you have had a meal with a lot of this simple sugary carbs, you can have something which is called the reactive hypoglycemia. Um, like it usually happens four hours after eating when your body continues to produce insulin, even though it shouldn't. And then you start crashing really bad. Like, and you have all these symptoms, like in a much stronger form, some people might even faint. So these are the usual symptoms. Like, I think that for most people, let's say it starts with shakiness and dizziness. That's like when, when you kind of feel that something is a little bit off, like, and if you will notice this for people who exercise, if they haven't, um, you know, I have nothing against fasted exercise, but it cannot last for hours and hours, right? So you will notice at one point when you don't have any more sugar that you're starting to 
you know, you cannot lift, you cannot run as much, like your legs are shaking, your hands are shaking. That's usually a sign that you are in, in a range which is below 4, 4.2 uh, milliliters per liter. So that's already when you should take something, spoon of honey, I don't know, whatever, something to pick you up a little bit because it can be dangerous. Like this thing can cause severe dizziness and, and fainting. Um, it's not something to mess around with thinking, oh, I have less sugar in my body. No, like that's not... It's not good. It's not good to be very high, but also not to be very low. So that's interesting that you said that. One time I had to get blood work done in the mm -hmm. morning and mm -hmm. I had fasted a long time um, mm -hmm. the day before, mm -hmm. not because I was supposed to, just because I don't tend to eat mm -hmm. when it gets dark. And then um, they took my blood and they're like, your blood sugar is like, I don't remember what it was, but it was like rock bottom. Are you okay? Can you stand up? And I'm like, I feel perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. So when you're like, maybe more keto or more fasted, if you feel okay and your blood sugar is low, is that still something that you should be concerned about? No, that's different. It's very different because your body is, if you are eating more uh, protein and fats and less sugar, your body again will adapt to a certain blood sugar level that's maybe even a little bit below the baseline. So now it operates in a different range. Um, my, my blood sugar is, is normal to low but it has to go really low. Like, you know, like I, and it has nothing to do with the amount of fasting. It has to do with more, for example, if I had a meal at noon, so like I, I ate that day, right? If I don't eat until 7 p.m. for whatever reason, then it's going to become a problem. But if you are in a fasting mode and you are not doing it like cold turkey, like 48 hours on the go, but you have built yourself up to that, you have built up also that your blood sugar will stay stable. So it's not, it's not the same. And I think also like they have done some studies, for example, with vegan, vegetarians, keto, and so on. It's not a huge difference, but there is a difference in the baseline for people who are eating 80% carbs or eating, you know, more 40, 30, 30, or eating 80% fat. It's, it, there is a different baseline. So you have to also kind of, if you speak with your doctor, you have to tell them what is your lifestyle? Like, what do you eat? Because, you know, based on that also, you will know your numbers a bit better. So why is it that we crave bad foods when we're under high stress? And is there anything we can do instead to make us feel better that's not million bad foods? It's a million dollar <laughs> question. Stress yeah. management. Um, well, like when you are under stress and, and stress can be anything, right? Like work, home and your environment, your body is producing cortisol. Uh, the problem with that is that your body recognizes too much cortisol as a sort of this flight and fight kind of situation. So like being chased by a tiger, right? And you're not. So what it does, like the cortisol is produced in order to help you function, right? So what it means is that it's using a lot of your um, energy at first. But if you are, as we say, constantly stressed and stressed and stressed, which doesn't happen with a tiger, he chases you and then it's done. But we are stressed on a daily basis over and over again. The cortisol is very high and what your body does Again, your body is always trying to help you get in balance or help you get better. It will start using food. Um, it will start asking you food for energy, which is high sugary foods, high fat foods, and start storing them as a deposit in order to protect you. 
because they see that you are stressed out. So that's the mechanism. It's like a, it's a biological reaction. So you are stressed for a prolonged period of time, especially when we talk about, you know, chronic stress, your cortisol is shooting through the roof in order to keep up the energy. You're craving these types of foods and yet your body's like, we don't need them. <laughs> you're like, actually, so it stores them. It stores them because it's trying to protect you from the additional, whatever thing is happening. I think it's, it, that's the that's the mechanism I would say that people where the people think that they can trick their body you cannot really because even though you, your brain and your body doesn't know if you are stressed because of an exam or a, or a tiger it doesn't matter the response is the same exactly the same so you will need high energy foods to cope with the stress. But your body is like, okay, you gave me this for a reason. I see you're stressed. Your cortisol is super high. Let me help you by storing it. So, and that's what we don't like because that food is usually stored in the waist, you know, waistline. That's where it usually goes, like the visceral fat. Uh, not so much like hips, what women think, like hips. And it's more the stomach. It's like where the organs are for protection and for functioning of the whole body, right? But how do you fix it? I mean, that's the, the ultimate question, which is not my expertise, but that's what we talk when we say that you need to learn how to manage your stress before it actually happens. Like you, in a stressful situation, it's kind of more challenging to be like, oh, I'm stepping out from this scenario and I'm trying to be calm now. Like that rarely works. It's more like putting yourself in those situations. And what can you do on a daily basis to prevent like for me there are some small things that I do I'm not a person that meditates for example there are people who meditate and that works really well for their stress levels I walk like for me that's kind of that's my thing alone not with people so I don't have to talk um food plays a huge part of course uh what you eat uh movement uh and I would say at the end like something which um Maybe in the modern day age, people are like, oh, I don't know how to separate or I don't know how to do this. But I think you can do without electronics for a while and you can do without social media and you can make time for the family, like really one on one and not necessarily do the whole life, you know, work life balance thing, but just get away from electronics because you're not even aware how much you're actually being stressed and triggered by what you're reading on a daily. So it becomes like a part of your life to be stressed out by news or you know, whatever, some articles or something like that. So I think it's, and then if you like some other things, that's, that's completely fine. But I would say that this is just like a basic thing. Yeah. I completely stopped watching the news and everybody goes, how can you do that? You, you don't know what's going on. I'm like, if it's really important, I feel like somebody would tell me. Yes. Yes. I mean, you, you don't really miss out on anything in all honesty. It's, and you don't have the fear of missing out. I think it's just more of um, because again, like if you shut down your, let's say social media, people who really need to reach you, they will call you. It's just that we are used to, it's a habit to communicate in a way where you are available all the time, especially with COVID being at home. Like that's, I think where the stress was at the highest, not only because of COVID and the whole, you know, quarantine, but because there were no more working hours. You were not, you know, by the by the law, you were not able to be out, right? So people are like constantly working because everyone knew, well, you're home, so you can reply to the email at 10 p.m. And I think that that's 
that's this stress that like you don't notice every day, but then it keeps, you know, coming up and up and up. And then you really start seeing that like, okay, it's, it's bothering me. Um, but then that point you might be already chronically stressed from it. So it's more about noticing, I would say, noticing the triggers and then trying to remove them before it escalates. So when you mentioned that the body doesn't know the difference between a tiger Mm -hmm. or, you know, stress at work, Mm -hmm. it just knows stress. Do you think that that would apply to maybe watching suspenseful movies or scary movies or things like that? Yes, like definitely. Like there has been uh, a couple of studies that I've read. Uh, You're... Whenever you are producing cortisol, it can be out of happiness. Like it doesn't really matter. Like it's just an imba- a hormonal imbalance that's happening in the moment. So it can be stress because of a game that you're watching. It can be stress because of the news. It can be stress because of work. It can be stress because you step on the scale and you didn't like what you saw. All of these things are producing an Im- an imbalance in your body, like a reaction where the cortisol is like shooting up. When you wake up in the morning, your cortisol is very high. Then it should go down throughout the day. Uh, but for some people, it stays up all the time because they're stressed with their kids in the morning. They're stressed in the traffic. They're stressed at work. They're like constantly. And it's not nothing life-threatening. And here is the thing. If you ask them, how was your day? You have two categories of people. One will tell you, I'm so stressed. I'm stressed all the time. And then you have some like, it was fine because they don't even notice it anymore. It became, it became normal to be under that pressure, you know, and then whatever they eat, it gets stuck and they're like, oh, whatever I eat, it, go, it goes straight to my hips. But it's not really like, it's, it's a metaphor for a person that is not in balance. Like it's not, you know, it's not functioning in a more balanced way. So yeah, it, it doesn't really matter. Like um, what's happening in the outside world, your body just understands the inside. So are there any maybe healthy snacks that can keep you in a steady mood? Let's say you're under a lot of stress at work, you mm-hmm. just got a big project, mm-hmm. and now you're high-strung cortisol and you want a snack, mm-hmm. but you don't want to feel bad about it later. Are there any snacks that are just not as bad for you or maybe that are beneficial when you're under stress? I mean, there are some foods that help us deal with stress. Like, for example, instead of coffee, don't drink coffee, drink a matcha matcha latte like it's a better choice or lots of greens like like greens really help you distress so like swiss chard um any types of arugula whatever um the the main macronutrient that will help you is a protein 100 percent organ meats eggs fatty fish um there were um some maybe a bit specific because of the gut Uh, drinking kefir, yogurt, um, kimchi, because they calm the gut where the stress comes from. So I think it's like there are a couple of foods, but I think that the bigger problem with uh, with the snacks is that most, I mean, not all of them, but like most of the snacks that you can potentially buy are those that will just, you know, rise up your cortisol even more. So it's not about you. So like when, if you understand that you're stressed, it's not about just putting anything in your body. Like, oh, I need food because I haven't eaten. Okay, you haven't eaten, you're super stressed. But actually the food that you will eat could have serious implications on your stress levels even more. So uh, if let, let's say that you take um, um, a protein bar. 
I would suggest you look at the label and see, is it a protein fat or is it the carb sugar loaded bar? Very different. They're all called protein bars. But how much protein does it actually have and how much sugar does it have? Like is it sugar, sugar, alcohols, what is it inside? The same is with um, any type of juice, coffee. Like it's very different if you're drinking, you know, decaf with some milk or you're drinking a triple espresso because the caffeine is not your friend when you're super stressed. So, so I think it's, it's just a little bit about um, assessing that having some veggies or having some hard-boiled eggs or um, something like that is more beneficial for you, for sure. Yeah, I remember I gave up coffee a few years ago, mm -hmm. and the difference in my mood was insane. Ooh. I went from being very high-strung <laughs> to much more calm and less like angry or Maybe you can even call it PMSy, but it wasn't PMS. It was just the caffeine yeah. <laughs> making me all jittery and, and nuts. I I uh, have a love and hate relationship with coffee, in the sense that I never like the taste of coffee. Like truly, uh, it I think it was a habit created in college, uh, just because everyone was drinking coffee. And because I didn't like it, I had to put so much sugar in it and, you know, all this kind of whatever creams and whipped creams and all this kind of stuff. So it was like just like a sugar bomb with some caffeine inside. Uh, but then um, I think like later on, um, I moved to decaf and then I realized I'm actually not a big coffee fan at all. It doesn't do the trick for me. Like it doesn't wake me up. It doesn't give me energy doesn't help me with my digestion, doesn't do anything for me that people would consider like, oh, the benefits of drinking coffee. Plus, I don't like it so much. So when I was like, okay, let me try decaf, I noticed like, oh, no, this is not my thing. So now it's really once in a blue moon that I will have, again, with a friend. Like, But I'm more of a tea person now. Um, it's just a preference, I, I guess. But I do understand the appeal if it does help you be more alert um, and if you like the taste, yeah, for sure. It's, but it's not bad, not good in the stressful situations. Yes, I would definitely say that, especially like before you go into traffic, you don't want to have caffeine no. in your body. No. <laughs> you should try to avoid it. <laughs> yes, I do much better with matcha. Like you mentioned, mm -hmm. I love matcha. It's, mm -hmm. you get a little bit of the awake feeling, yeah. Yeah. but it's very leveled off as it goes away. It doesn't spike and then drop and make mm -hmm. you crazy. And I think also another thing with coffee is that it's um, it's also very socially acceptable, like to just drink shots after shot after shot. But you know, you 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 can go overboard with it as well. Like there is an amount which is like you know you should not really have more than four four cups or whatever, and not drink it, and then wonder why you cannot sleep at night. You know, especially if it's working for you the way you claim it is. That's also debatable. Is it really, or is it just a habit? But that's another story. But, you know, it's just being a little bit more mindful that the, the fact that everyone drinks it doesn't mean that it's actually good for you at all times. Yes. So could you give an example of maybe your go-to healthy, satisfying, and mood-stabilizing meal? Mm, sure. So I am. Uh, I don't have any uh, labeling when it comes to my eating style because I eat what I feel that day. Uh, but I would say that my plate would be something like half of it would be salad and vegetables. I just take a mix of different salads. Um, I chop 
two or three types of vegetables, just like some tomatoes and cucumbers. I'm rather simple in that sense because I, I have two small kids and I'm very fast when I make my meals. Then I would say that my protein or something that, 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 that is going to keep me full is um, either eggs or fish. That's like tuna maybe. Like that's my, my, my go-to thing. And then I'm a person that loves dairy. I will always have some dairy just because, well, I kind of like it. I don't have any indigestions. I don't have any allergies. And I, it's not that I eat a ton because I know also the, 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 the downsides to it, but I love my dairy. And then I usually have a dressing that where I would have my healthy fats. So I have avocado dressing, some, you know, herbs with olive oil, um, I sprinkle nuts and seeds on top. So I like to have a little bit of everything. My meals, in all honesty, are simple, but when you when you when you look at it, it looks very simple. I do cover all the categories of you know uh, nutrients. Um, and they are usually a caloric bomb. Because because of my schedule, I usually like to have two very caloric dense meals and then in between because I'm on the go I have something which is like a snack or whatever but you know I will not have just like an oatmeal with blueberries for breakfast because that cannot keep me full I need to have my eggs my cheese my avocado my you know like I need to have a little bit more stuff um and I and and again as I said in the beginning for me the staple has to be my health my fats and my protein because that's the only thing which will keep my blood sugar stable Everything else is extra, which salad, which vegetable, which whatever. But but if I don't eat these, then I'm either hungry immediately or it means that I ate a muffin for breakfast and then I'm just like on a roller coaster for the next, you know, 10 hours. <laughs> so I try to I try to have my my uh, protein like, you know, half of the plate, like, you know, or one third and then my um my healthy fats to keep me stable. So you had mentioned before that there are some foods that are good for mm -hmm. stress, mm -hmm. Can, like um, protein, right? Protein, fats to keep you stable, your blood sugar stable, yeah, and complex. Are there, mm -hmm. are there any fats that are better than others? Yeah, of course. Like you, when you're choosing fats, you you really have to be mindful that the foods that we were talking about that will raise your blood sugar – um, we always talk about sugary foods, right? But like the trans fats, uh, you have monosaturated, polysaturated, trans fats, saturated fats. Be aware of trans fats and saturated fats when you're looking at your labels. Don't obsess over it, but let's put it like this, like any food that can be on the shelf for a very long time most probably has additive preservatives, trans fats, saturated fats, and lots of sugar. Um so, and the same is with cooking, like I cook with avocado and olive oil, like as a preference, uh, but I would not use soy, peanuts, sunflower. Um, I don't think it's the healthiest option. When it comes to fats, like what I eat, like nuts, seeds, um, um, you know, chia, flax, hemp's, whatever, avocados, I think that's all, and, and it's funny because with fats, it's it's um, you either see it or it's really hidden in the foods. Like, so 
you can have like the food that I just mentioned now, like I love salmon, for example, it's like really loaded with omegas and it's really good for me. Um, I like it in any shape and form. So that's my go-to fish for protein and fat all at once. And I really feel that if I make a good salad with salmon, I'm really full. I don't think about food. I have this relaxed mind until the next meal, right? Um, but I would say that all the other fats that you kind of don't see there in your biscuits, there in your donuts, there in your, your chips, whatever, like it's it's all the hidden that gives the good flavor. Let's call it like that. And so that's probably something I would avoid in big quantities. I'm a person that's quite balanced. So I also eat these things. I just don't have them maybe every day as a main meal, but, but I don't, I don't run away from them. I know in the U S at least I know here they mm -hmm. do, I don't know mm -hmm. everywhere else, but, um, they will cut the olive oil and the avocado oil with soy bean oil and corn oil. Mm -hmm. So on the label, you don't even know what you're you don't getting. Even know. Yeah, it's the same everywhere. I mean, there are like a lot of foods from the States that are banned in Europe. Um, and, and not just foods, but also like beauty products, skincare products, all these kind of things. You guys are a big industry or a machinery when it comes to producing food. Like I live in Estonia. That's definitely not the case. So they are very mindful what they import when we are importing, uh, you know, packaged foods, let's say. So first of all, we don't have that much choice. We don't have that many junk food restaurants or fast food restaurants. Um, and I think it's also a little bit of a cultural thing that like you're not, we are not all supposed to be experts when it comes to food. Like, I mean, like we all have different professions. You should be able to trust um the label but like you know that like you know sugar comes under 50 different names like you cannot possibly know all these names and then analyze in the shop so you just like look at some sugar content but then if you look at the ingredient list it's like it's a nightmare and that's why i'm not i'm not going to to say anything bad about the brands but that's why i have a small issue with vegan products that are loaded with 16, 17 ingredients to make a sausage or a meat. And I'm like, that's a very factory produced like product, right? Um, and, and so I'm a little bit on the fence, like where we are going with some movements when it comes to food, because I, I love vegan food, vegetarian. I don't eat so much meat in general, but I'm not against it. But I'm, I'm a little bit afraid that we are very good at labeling things. Like, you know, a vegan product, you know, 25 grams of protein. Of course, it's amazing. You should have 20, 25, 30 per meal. But, but if we are not educated to read properly, then you don't know that, like, you just ate a lot of unhealthy things in your burger, in your whatever. So um, that's a little bit like something that I don't understand really the trend. And the same is with sauces and sweets and, like, it's, it's advertised in one way because it's a hype word, like you're vegan, you're saving the planet. But then on the other hand, I don't know what you're doing with your own body by eating this on a daily. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure it's very healthy. Oh, I'm completely against those fake meat. The we ingredients agree. are toxic. We agree. <laughs> no, yes, I understand the appeal. You want to find a substitute, something taste, which tastes the closest to a chicken or, or whatever you ate. But it's just like then making a very conscious decision, like this is what I eat, you know, or 
understanding why you quit chicken, for example, in the first place and be like, why do you need a substitute now for it? If you crave it, then ask yourself, do you really crave the chicken? Like, what is your body telling you, right? So that's where you can have a little bit more of an honest conversation with yourself uh, rather than eating just some substitutes. Cheese, the same, um, you know, yeah. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I did have a few um, when I went uh, vegetarian for a while, some vegan type cheeses. Uh-huh. And when I looked at the ingredients, I was just horrified. It was just almost all soybean oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that's how how else can you make them? I mean, it's it's the and again, it's not I, I think that people are always like, oh, but the calories. But it's not about the calories. No one cares about the calories. It, it will not be such a huge difference on a weekly level, you know unless you really go overboard or you really under eat. It's really, if we're talking about how certain foods affect your blood sugar and your stress levels, like these foods that have these ingredients can potentially cause you more harm while you're thinking that, you know, you are vegan uh, by eating, you know, fake meats. Mm. I'm not, I'm not very convinced. <laughs> Let's put <Yes>. it. Yes. <laughs> so, what can poor eating habits do when it comes to our productivity? Um, I mean, here is how I would say it. Um, if you're eating in a in a way which is causing you to have a roller coaster of a blood sugar, uh, you become pre-diabetic or diabetic because of it. Um, that doesn't affect you only physically, mentally, or your work. Like that's like a, it's a whole range of things, right? Um, you cannot be productive if you are having a roller coaster, a sugar roller coaster that day, because your your body is really sending you the signal all the time to eat. You're constantly thinking about food to keep that level up, right? Um, so the focus is off, the productivity is off, like you're just thinking, okay, next, or like vending machines, or you're just going for a coffee or for a drink or something to keep up the, the high, like the, that kind of the level, which is, which is your, your body's fighting against it, but like you just don't feel good. So you're constantly just snacking on something. And so the productivity there is gone. But I think it's also, so it's like a, it's a biological, almost, I would say, natural reaction when you make those food choices. It's not happening to you because you are like, you know, taken as an example. Like, look how it looks like. It would happen to almost everybody, right? Um, if you have that kind of a lifestyle. But I think also like um, uh, what I noticed with people who have these issues, it becomes a mental problem, psychological problem, like because you become obsessed about food. Or with food like so you you know when when I said like why I like to have two three meals but they're more because it's it helps me to do other stuff in between like it I'm full I can do other stuff I use my energy I then I'm hungry after four four hours whatever I eat again um so I'm mentally very calm when it comes to my work when it comes to my kids when it comes to doing any other chores right like my mind is not preoccupied where is the food and what I'm going to eat next right because the symptoms as we said like can be really harsh and you if you experience it once in a day you don't want to experience the second and third time so you're always in a prep mode like let me not just be without my snacks you know like it's it's like an addictive behavior right 
And I think that for a lot of people from a psychological point of view is, is causing that feeling of, oh my God, I'm obsessed with food. I have no control. I have no motivation. I have no motivation to stop. I have no control over my eatings. And, and that psychologically kills you, like in the sense that like you start to feel ashamed of your choices because you see, you're not blind, you see what you're eating. You feel guilty because of your choices. You don't feel guilty when you eat a carrot, but you, you feel guilty if this is your fourth donut in the, you know, during your, your working hours. So, so the, those food choices, they affect you on a biological level and your work, but also quite a bit mentally and, and psychologically, like that your relationship with food starts to change a bit. Yes. I, I remember when I started changing my diet and now I switched to eating, you know, pasture raised eggs and um, grass fed, grass finished beef mm-hmm. or lamb just to make that like the main part of the meal. So I know that I'm getting protein. So you're a protein person. You like your protein. It's not that I like it because I really don't enjoy eating meat. It's not my favorite thing to do. Okay. I just do it because I I like how it makes me feel. When I switch to eating to that way, and I do have berries and you know some certain vegetables and stuff like that as well. But when I switch to having primarily that as the main part of my meal, mm-hmm. I do not get hungry at all. Mm-hmm. And you can go hours. It'll be five p.m. and I've eaten breakfast, and it's five p.m. Like oh, I forgot to eat, and mm-hmm. then I can eat another high protein meal, and then. I'm good for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. But I do notice that the hardest part for me is, and for most people I, I think would relate to this, when you're eating well, everything is good, you're not hungry, but then maybe you're doing something that you associate with food, mm-hmm. like watching a movie or having friends over and everybody's picking at something and then you get triggered and you want to yes. do that too. Yeah. Listen, um, I, it, it's a very interesting thing I was discussing today. It's unbelievable eating in front of the TV or eating in front of the computer. It's, if you are doing that, like let's say that it's not with friends. If you're doing that, you have uh, one, let's say, side effect, which is not listening to your hunger and satiety cues because your, your, your attention is focused on the TV or on your email, let's say. But the second bigger problem is that you associate the amount of food you will eat for the amount that you are in front of the gadget. So if, so if the movie is two hours... If you had a bowl of popcorn, it's done, but the movie's still on. You go for more until the movie's gone. And again, and again, you know, like it's it's associated. It has to, for some reason, go in parallel. Um, you cannot just stop and be like, okay, now I'm not going to have anything. And there's still like one hour to go. You, like you, you are triggered to go for more, right? But that's just a learned, I mean, it's a learned habit, of course. Like, it, like everything, it can be unlearned if you're conscious about it. But then, But the biggest problem is that you are you are eating those foods in a state of not complete unconsciousness, but you are not very present. So it's only a more deep inner work can change that. And then choosing maybe uh, different snacks. It's like very different if you eat olives or whatever, you know, something more fatty and chewy than popcorn. So, yeah, I, I, I get you, though. <laughs> it's... A, it's not easy, but, but yeah, it's this way it is. I, I remember when I um, noticed the whole snacking in front of the computer thing was starting to happen. I moved my whole computer 
desk area to a different room. I changed the layout. I bought new stuff. I bought everything in white. I got like a little mouse pad that's in white. Everything is white. So then now I don't want to stain anything. So I can't eat over here. (laughs) And that's just like my little trick to get over that. Good strategy. I I try not to eat uh, in front of, um, well, I don't eat in front of TV. I drink more something like, but I don't have that habit, but I had a habit like in front of the computer just to get it over with. My problem with that was not that I will eat more. My problem with that was that I felt I didn't eat because I didn't enjoy it. Like I didn't give myself the time to enjoy what I made. I made a very nice meal, but my brain, my body, it wasn't like, mm, this is nice. It was like, I just ate it and got over with, and I'm not hungry, so I will not eat more but the satisfaction factor was missing for me. Like I I missed that moment where I'm wrapping it up and I'm like really happy with with what I ate. So that's when I was thinking like, maybe this is not such a good idea. And snacks I don't keep because I think it's, um, uh, it's a distraction. It's a constant distraction. Your brain takes such a long time to understand that it's getting the food through snacks because it's not the proper meal. Uh, it's really distracting me from my work, from everything. So um, it was mon- one of the reasons why it was just a bit easier to to remove that. So what are some clear signs that your diet is working for you and you're on the right track? Um, I would say something that you can do effortlessly. Um, so... So it's it's a complex question, but let's say there are, in my opinion, some psychological and maybe some so subjective and some more objective parameters. And I would say that these objective ones would be stable level of energy throughout the day, good sleep, good digestion, no sugar roller coasters, and your weight is easy to maintain. I would say, and so we can now debate what does it mean, but I think that like chasing some number where, in, where it's unsustainable, um, it's causing you stress. So, um, you know, you eat because you're stressed and then you're stressed because you eat. <laughs> it's a vicious circle. But it's, I would say that that's when you can maintain a diet easily with whatever you're eating and how you combine it every day is very maybe individual and maybe some days you eat a little bit better, some days you don't. Uh, but it's just like, like, it's not a big fuss of counting, weighing, measuring, you know, figuring out how much I can eat now and how much, like it, it just, it flows, right? For that, you need to, of course, you need to experiment, but you also need to be like, for example, what was my case, except that my target weight that I had is not my target weight. It's an imaginary target weight. Like something, it's like, it's like losing those five pounds all the time the last five, like you're losing them for 25 years. For some reason, it's either you cannot reach them because it demands a lot of sacrifice and restriction, or if you have reached them through sacrifice and restrictions, you cannot keep up with it because it's not a lifestyle that you want to have, like with not socializing, not having some sweets, alcohol, whatever it is. So for me, that was like a good slap in my face because I was thinking like, I cannot be doing something that wrong. Like I'm not crazy, right? Like So why is it so hard? It's so hard because in order for my body to get to that weight, I need to restrict on a lot of foods. 
And if I do achieve it, I will not be able to live like this because I, I'm always thinking the way I lost my weight is the way I have to live for the rest of my life. So I cannot live on steamed fish and vegetables. I mean, I cannot. I can for a week too, but I cannot make this a lifestyle and I cannot trick or convince myself that I'm enjoying it. So um, I would say something which is effortless, like with your everyday life, plus vacations, plus socializing, plus events. Um, that's more or less it. And what part does lack of sleep play with our stress and productivity levels? Um, well, I mean, it plays a huge part. And, and people who, who don't sleep, uh, I'm thinking now of uh, moms with babies, uh, like they will tell you, like, I need sugar to survive the next day. Because the, the sleep deprivation means that there was no growth hormone happening. That happens when you sleep. Um, and in order to survive the next day and to, to do anything with your life, you, you have to eat foods that will prevent, that will give you immediate energy release, immediate. Now, can you make better choices? Sure. Is it better to eat dates than donuts? Yes. But that's a very, um, demanding position from someone who is sleep deprived to have that level of consciousness, like dates with peanut butter or whatever. Like, no, they will just grab whatever is in front of them. So again, if you don't sleep, your cortisol will be very, very high because your body will be very stressed. And then we'll go back to stressed body, wants food, which is high in sugar and bad fats, stores them. And you know, then you're on the roller, sugar, uh, roller coaster sugar again. Um, I would say that like, it, it, just as, as if you look at it from a not like doctor, biological, just like a plain person who doesn't sleep well, they will tell you, I need a lot of coffee to stay awake, right? The caffeine. The problem is that like all of this caffeine is causing you stress also, jitters, so on and so forth. So you you put yourself not only that you didn't sleep but also with the choices the next day you're just amplifying the problem so um i know that some people you know there are times in your life when you sleep less and that's just how it is but if you can make um in the times when you are more alert um some healthier snacks or some healthier breakfast options that would help uh, to 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 prevent because I think it's also like a, um, with with the lack of sleep if it happens let's say that if you have a, a baby or something and you know like it's not one night it's gonna happen continuously then it's it's a good thing to to be armed and be like okay this is not gonna work <laughs> like it's okay if your child is sick one night and you kind of have one night but if it's something gonna be months you don't want to be in that position where all of a sudden, let's say six months in, you go to the doctor and your blood sugar, like your baseline is way higher than normal, right? So then I think it's just like focus. If you need some sugar, focus on fruits then, for example. It's fine. Much better than some processed stuff or focus on dates or focus on some peanut butter maybe or whatever. Something that can give you energy very fast, but is not as bad for your blood sugar like the simple carbs, Packaged food, let's say, right? 
that's that's uh, but yeah but definitely i mean the lack of sleep is exactly like uh, any other stressor for your body um some of my friends that i know that they have been thin and healthy looking their entire lives mm-hmm. one of the things that i noticed is that for them in particular the eating wasn't particularly healthy or or not but they slept yeah a long long time yes. sometimes even like 10 hours a night oh, and they're God. like i yeah, have to get my sleep it has to be pitch black it has to have like my silk pillow on my face or whatever they need but like they are just the most strict people and about sleep yes and they're like that and everybody's jealous and the main thing that i found to be jealous of is the amount of sleep high quality sleep that they can get yeah the human growth hormone like and i mean people tell you like oh when you're fasting you're sleeping and your deposits and this and that this whole story about fasting it is true when you sleep you have a hormone working in your favor when it comes to burning your deposits like this is just like this is again science it's not invented and it is true that these people will wake up with a very different like you know mindset of what they want to eat they eat for energy that day in a different way. They're like, okay, give me my protein. I want to conquer the world. Not like I want to thrive. Not like I want to survive the day. It's people who, who need that simple sugar, it's like it's survival mode until I can potentially sleep. These people know they're like there to conquer, right? So like give me the real food for real energy. I agree. I am not the, I'm not like the best sleeper. Never have been. And I have a very light sleep. Um... But, you know, I do try around seven hours or so. I try. I mean, sometimes more, sometimes less. But I, but I do notice, and it's, it's an interesting thing. If, if, if I was sick or my kids or whatever, in the morning, it's automatic. Automatic, like I take dates if I had a poor night's sleep. Like I almost feel I will not survive without sugar in the morning, which never happens on a regular day. On a regular day, I don't have breakfast until 11 easily i don't think about food but this in the morning like this like give me energy to survive this day you know it's like okay what can i take and then i have some orange juice not the best option but i'm like okay you're thinking between the worst things you can possibly have what will be the least you know affecting you so i will squeeze some fruits and make a juice or have some dates and then just try to be a bit more let's say make maybe a meal later on that's more packed with proteins and stuff so that, you know, I can kind of have some other foods in my system, but definitely I feel the difference. Um, and I know that I could eat, you know, 200 grams of chocolate like this on days like that for sure. Oh, oh yes. I, I remember, I, I noticed that when a lot of my friends would get pregnant and they would have to be up all night with the babies, that's when they all got problems with their weight. Yeah. And that seems to be very consistent. And even myself, when I had my child, that's when for the first time in my entire life, I had problems with weight. And it took me, I don't know how many years to figure out that sleep was the number one thing that I needed to really work on because my diet was pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not the diet. It's never, I mean, of course it's the diet. It's a, it's a big part of it, but the fact is that like your, as we, you know, what we have been saying here for an hour is that there are your body doesn't understand when your cortisol is high is it because you were chased by a dog or is it because you didn't sleep it that's it's just it's just what it is right and i think that we are very 
like our culture nowadays is very proud of not sleeping. Like, oh, I didn't sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, like I had so much to do. Like, no, sleep. If you can't sleep, as mu- not like as much as you can, like, but you know, sleep normal. We all have different maybe needs, but sleep so that you wake up, you can get out of bed and you're good to go, you know? Mm. So are there any supplements or herbs that you recommend to help with stress, productivity, or blood sugar? Um, I took for a quite a long time a complex B vitamin to calm my nervous system. Like that worked like a charm for me. Not vitamin B inside a multivitamin. No, like vitamin B complex, like all the Bs inside. Um, I took... Um, for quite some time, um, ashwagandha, that helped, like that calmed me down, like really nice. Um, I use quite a bit of lavender. I have lavender all over my house. Zinc. Um, I take zinc tablets. I mean, I take a good multivitamin in general and, you know, stuff like that. But um, I live in a country where it's super cold, like six, seven months a year, lots of snow, lots of darkness. We're in the north, so it's like really pitch dark. So we need to take vitamin D, for example, all the time, like all, all the time. It's like it's not just for the sun right here. It's like for stress levels because you don't see daylight. So um, but I would say that in terms of herbs and vitamins i would say start with with the simple stuff don't overdo it either um but a lot of people will tell you that like their brain is constantly working you know thinking throughout the night vitamin b will help you for sure because it's really the main the main role is to calm the nervous system and calm your nerves like your body um and of course then some like ashwagandha can help a little bit but a lot of people actually do have a vitamin B deficiency. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of people have problems with vitamin B, D, and magnesium. Yeah, especially, I, I think with magnesium, it's, if you are on a low-carb diet, it can happen. You can need to be a bit more mindful with that. Um, and, you know, maybe take some supplements, especially if you're cramping quite a bit at night. Like people will have cramps at night and then you cannot, you cannot fall asleep and then you toss and you turn and then you think and it's all this kind of story, but, but it could be a sign of uh, lack of magnesium. So worth, worth uh, checking that out. Mm -hmm. So how can everybody work with you and do you work with clients one-on-one and what type of people are you looking to work with? Uh, So I help people to solve their uh, eating issues in terms of emotional eating and stress eating falls off obviously under that. Um, I do work in groups and one-on-one. Um, and, um, when I, when I say what kind of people, uh, I mean, if I, if I look at the range of my clients and yes, it's mostly women, I would say, but not necessarily, but mostly women, um, age group is really irrelevant. I think that the most important thing is being open-minded that we're not going to talk only about your diet and your, you know, what you need to eat. We need to talk a little bit about your habits and your patterns and your emotions around food and your relationship with food, your mindset around food. You know, um, I think everyone scientifically can lose weight, but there is a reason why they cannot keep keep the weight off. Um, and that's where the whole 
emotional psychological part comes into play that's the part that you haven't figured out yet you know why do you eat when you're not hungry to put it very simple um so um i just look for people who are i would say that my clients have really tried it all like every diet under the sun every patch every tablet every program and and it's just it gave them the results but maybe more short term um and they're looking for something more sustainable and to fix finally their relationship with food um once and for all and to find what really works for them and where can everybody find you online and social media you can find me on facebook on instagram with my um handle uh, balanced by anna with one n and also on my website balancedbyanna.com so there you can find articles you can contact me um through those channels and then we can chat well, thank you so much for being with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our audience with before we go? You guys can make peace with food <laughs> and you can make peace with stress eating. It's just a matter of um, tweaking a little bit some habits. Um, I think it's a big topic nowadays, given what we have as a planet been through in the last two years. Stress eating has been on the rise, but hopefully now that we are getting out of this, um, pandemic and, and quarantinings and all this kind of stuff, we can go back to, let's say, more balanced eating. So I hope that the podcast that we did today helped you a little bit in that sense. Well, again, thank you so much for thank being you. with us. Thank you so much. I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahum of Feminescence, and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony, and their Maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill, or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones. There's nothing quite like it. So go to feminescence.com, enter code CAT15, K-A-T-1-5 for 15% off any of their single pack products. And definitely go check out the episode. Just search for Mona Fahum on my podcast and listen, you won't regret it. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you made it this far, I'm sure you found some benefit to the hard work that I put into the show. Show your support by subscribing to the podcast. Leave me a voicemail question or email me at thehealthfulgypsy at gmail.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Be sure to join the Facebook group. You can find all that information in the show notes and my website, katkatibi.com. This podcast is for informational, merrymaking, and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including TV, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard. Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.